Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Places Where We Go, where today we're continuing our journey in Poland. Last time we were together, we visited the city of Dansk, and we talked about five things to do in the city. Today, we're going to talk about some more things we did while we stayed in Gdansk, but the things we're going to talk about today are places we went to that were a train ride away. So we continue to use the hotel in Gdansk as a home base. But now, starting on today's episode, we're hopping on the train, going to some places that are mostly easy to get to. The last one we have was the furthest train ride away, but well, well worth it. So stick around to hear about that. But to get us started, Julie, get us on the train and take us to our first destination. Well, our first destination from the train was Oliva Park in Gdansk, Oliva Metropolitan Cathedral. But before we talk about these activities, let's talk about the train. There are definitely some protocols in the train that we took, and I assume throughout most of Europe. Well, this is the first time that I remember that we ran into this specifically. Really? Yeah, because I mean, we've been on trains in multiple countries before. I just don't remember this happening to us before. Uh-huh. Okay. So let's talk about it. In Gdansk, you need to self-validate your train tickets, and that's the part we didn't know about. We heard about it, but thought it would be done on the train... But that's not the fact. That's not the case. So we had found out that there is a validation process in checkboxes, either at the station area or located on the platform. You have to validate your ticket before you actually get on the train. Yeah. So this is, I think, the thing that's different is we've been in some places where you have your ticket and then once you're on the train, a conductor-ish person walks around, looks at your ticket, stamps it or whatever... And I I was at least assuming that it would be kind of similar to what we encountered, be it in Italy or some other places we visited. But we were apparently were running a risk of not doing things right. Which is probably quite common. Yeah. But then they'll throw you off the train, probably. You think so? I don't know. Well, we caught it. So we caught it and we we did the correct procedure. We had a ticket. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, we bought our ticket, but we just didn't go through the process correctly. So this is why we're sharing this with you, just to know when you travel in new places, there may be new ways of doing things. So helpful to do your homework before you get on new transportation. Because we didn't know that you were supposed to validate your ticket before you got on the train, we hopped on the train and then we looked for a validation box while we were on the train. And then, of course, we didn't find one. Yep. So we ended up taking our chance and hope we didn't get approached by somebody that said, no validation, get off. Right. So we... Um, didn't happen, so... We got off the yep. train at the place where we, we wanted to go and nobody said anything. We did have a ticket. 
I can't believe they would throw us off the train. I maybe I don't know. I don't know about that. So we, once we got off the train, we were on our way to Oliva Park. This park is gorgeous and features beautiful ponds, very well-maintained flower beds, and winding walking paths that walk along water areas. It's just absolutely beautiful. There's greenery everywhere. And there's places where you can kind of spot out and relax and sit and enjoy the area. So it was a very, very beautiful park. But when we arrived, there was some festivities going on. It was a festival and there was some booths and they were selling all kinds of goods and they were selling local foods. And there was a lot of the locals that were dressed up in their traditional Polish costume. costumes. Yeah. The food was all kinds of cured meats. There was beer. There was nalewki, which you are currently making some of your own homebrew there. Yeah, we're working on a plum nalewka that I think this weekend will go through the final filtering process and bottle it. So that's something to look forward to in a few days, and yeah. then it'll be ready to drink. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There was Polish mushrooms, which are, I don't know if, I can describe how different they are from what we as Americans are used to. Yeah, at least, I mean, for you and I, like in Southern California, our selection of mushrooms is really limited. I even remember, I think it was two years ago or so, we took a trip to Denver mm-hmm. yeah. to attend a hockey game there. And in the morning, we were by Union Station, I think is what it's yeah, called I there. Think so, yeah. And there was this farmer's market, and there was booths selling mushrooms there that reminded me of the kind of mushrooms you get in Europe and in Poland, just these really unique varieties. You Aromatic. Can tell, they, I yeah, mean, meaty. They're earthy. And, oh, it's very yeah, we nice. just kind of have the button mushrooms, criminy mushrooms, you know, shiitakes. But you don't really see the oyster. You don't see... That beautiful, what is that one that... that like chant, chanterelles, chanterelles, we hardly... Yeah. I'm lucky to see that like once a year where we live. And then it's like you've got to be at the Whole Foods the day they put them out. And if you miss it, they're gone. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. they had these mushrooms there. And they had this one spread that I found it interesting because I think that's something I've only seen like a friend of mine put Crisco on a bread and she ate it and I just about barfed. But this lard is very, very different. And they actually take the lard and they spread it on a piece of nice bread. Yes. And it's it's, it's like their snack. It's, it's like, a thing there. Yes. Yes. But it was a little bit, I kept looking at it going, hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> we kind of strolled around. We, we looked at the booths. We had a really good time. And then we made our way inside the Oliva Cathedral, and this was on a Sunday afternoon. We looked at numerous altars that were on the inside that were just absolutely beautiful. Artistically, there it was just, I mean, every time I walk into cathedrals in different places in the world, which I haven't been to too many, but, you know, when we do, there's always this finely crafted, beautiful artisan work. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And the artwork you know, some of it's quite ancient and old, and, and it's just gorgeous. So we walked around, we looked at this craft work and the wonderful paintings, and just like we saw at St. Mary's Basilica, there were parts of the cathedral that we could see that were once painted frescoes on the walls, but unfortunately had been painted over 
with white paint during the times of Reformation. Mm -hmm. So there's some of these churches that have tried to restore, basically remove the white paint and expose the original frescoes. And you see that occasionally on some of the churches there. So I think I put this cathedral on the itinerary for a couple of reasons. One was I had read about Oliva, the cathedral there is, is a thing that was recommended by folks to do. And then I also had learned that Sunday afternoons, they host a public organ recital. And as you've probably heard us mention on the show before, I'm, I do like my pipe organ <laughs> concerts. So yes. we got and, two and things you, in one. You've been so much more exposed to different stuff than I have. So and we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. You know, we did have time to tour the cathedral, beautiful cathedral, but also were able to enjoy listening to the organ there, a spectacular organ. And this particular afternoon, and I, I suppose like most Sundays, it's the same kind of thing. The concert or the recital rather lasted somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes. So it's not like an hour and a half long event. It's just an opportunity to hear the instrument. You get a sampling of what the instrument can do. When we sat down, we were listening to an organ transcription of a part of Handel's Messiah. The organist played a version of Schubert's Ave Maria. Then there were some fast and slow pieces that I don't know what the uh, titles were. But then we got to a piece that was atonal, which means to some people it could sound like noise. (laughs) Just notes that clash and dissonant. And I'm sitting at the bench and the lady who's sitting next to me starts giggling under her breath. (laughs) It surprised (laughs) me. I was taken aback yeah. by the sounds yes, and <laughs> that were coming. I didn't know if you were going to uh, be able to hold it in. And I didn't. Your mother told me to shut up. Okay. <laughs> if anybody's familiar with the work of, I guess, you know, the one artist that's familiar to us, Keith Jarrett, jazz artist, who occasionally in his performances gets into some very esoteric, very dissonant things. It would be kind of similar to that, but on the organ. So we made it through that piece. You didn't bust out in laughter. And then we got to hear the finale, which was Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor, which is that famous organ piece that most people probably hear during Halloween time. And I think that's the connection that people make with it. So Mm -hmm. Bach did not write it for Halloween, but it's Mm -hmm. used Mm -hmm. very often in the month of October. And it's also used in the opening of Disney's Fantasia. So we heard it on the organ there in Oliva. Again, it's a big, powerful organ. This one has nearly 8,000 pipes that form this huge semicircle on one end of the church. And one thing that's interesting about this organ is when it's being played, and I think there are certain sounds that are controlled by the organist, that when they're activated, there's these artistic elements near the pipes that are animated and they move around. So there's like a trumpet that has an angel that moves back and forth, things that move around. So you can also see this visual element of the organ as you're listening to it. Which was very cool. Yeah, it was really neat. The one afternoon, we had an opportunity to sample this in Oliva. It was the main thing that we had on our itinerary, but I also had scoped out a place to eat before we headed back to Gdansk, to the city center. You want to talk about that? Yeah, so one of the most famous types of food in Poland is pierogies. I was introduced to pierogies when I married you, although there are versions of it in different countries. 
So sometimes they call them different things, but they're very similar. Yeah, I think a lot of countries have a version of a dumpling, dumpling right? Yeah. And the Polish have their variety, which I've grown yeah. up with. Now, when I was introduced to the Polish variety of pierogi, it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Unbelievably good. When they're made well, can't stop eating them. Yeah. So Art mentioned that he had already scoped out a restaurant, and this restaurant was called Pierogarnia Mandu. So if you come to the Oliva Cathedral, plan to have lunch or dinner there. It's only about a 10-minute walk from the cathedral and very, very busy. There was many, many people there. With nearly a month of visiting Poland this summer, we ate at lots of restaurants. And this one was one of the top three ex great dining experience we had in Poland. There was many, yeah. but this one was, was at the top. Yeah, when I think about the time we spent there, this one goes straight to the top for me. So oh, much so, I would want to go back just to eat here again. Besides having this wonderful food, the whole experience was amazing yeah. because they make these pierogies right in front of you. Yep. It was really fun to watch and get to interactively see what was going on as the food's coming out to you. And yeah. It was neat. Yeah, so that's another thing too is, you know, if you've ever had pierogies, getting them fresh, like when they're just made, is different than when yes. they, they're pre-made and you're Absolutely. either reheating them, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So they're making them right there in front of you. They bring them straight out to you and you eat them. And they're just as fresh as they could possibly yeah. be. And they're not your typical basic oh, no. pierogi. No, right. they have such a wide menu. Uh, not a wide menu, but a wide variety. This menu was huge with the different types of fillings you could have. Some of them were yeast. Some of them were... Baked. You know, it was just... It was just amazing how much they had to offer. Yeah, there was flavor combinations I've never heard of in my life. And the special, the day that we visited, was asparagus-filled pierogi with asparagus sauce over it. Yeah, that's which, what you had. It is what I had. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Stunning. Yes. I've never had asparagus pierogi before, and it was done so well. And kind of like I said, just became so memorable. And then you had something different. I had something different. Your mom had the blueberry pierogies because I think that's what she likes and was familiar with. Mm -hmm. And they were absolutely good too. And I had a version with feta. It's like a Mediterranean one, actually. Feta, sun-dried tomatoes, and spinach. It was unbelievably good. I remember it to this day. Mm -hmm. The flavors were just over-the-top wonderful. The dough was just soft and delicious, and it was so good. Yeah, and that's where a lot of pierogies can go bad. If the dough isn't done right, yes. yeah. it can become a chewy mess. Mm -hmm. uh, these were done spectacularly well. And you ordered tea. Yeah, and the thing that I liked about this place, <laughs> this is another thing that stuck out to me. You didn't just get, I guess, tea the way that I'm used to getting it. It came out in a proper Asian tea kettle. It came with a timer, and they brewed their tea to a specific time, a specific you know brewing method. So they were very precise with the tea service. And I do love my tea. Mm -hmm. And when you see somebody take that kind of care with their presentation and their preparation, that's another thumbs up. So that was a nice way of ending our uh, day in Oliva. Yeah, so we ended up taking the train ride back to Gdansk, and this time we did it right. Mm -hmm. And 
This time, there was actually somebody walking the aisles checking the tickets. Yeah, so, so we actually lucked out. We were validated. We were yeah. good to go. So we've gone to Oliva. We've had pierogies. The third thing that we have on today's agenda is another train ride. And this is to a place called Sopot. Yeah, so before we dive into Sopot itself, it's useful to know that this area that Gdansk is in is what's called the Tri-City area in Poland. So it's made up of Gdansk, a town called Gdynia, which we did not get to visit on this last visit. There's another reason I want to go back. And then the third city there is Sopot. So we hopped on the KM Kolejka, which is the commuter train, and it runs more or less every 10 to 15 minutes and took a train one afternoon out of Gdansk and in 15 minutes got off and we found ourselves in Sopot. So this is a city that's right on the Baltic Sea. It's another nice seaside area for a relaxing day. There's a pier. We were able to wander around there, get some views of the Baltic Sea, and it was just nice to stroll on that pier. It was a nice summer day. People were on the beach. They were strolling. There were cellars near the pier with a variety of goods for purchase, including there were some amber stalls. Lots of amber. Yeah. So, And and I think that's another thing that's famous in this Tri-City area is is amber. So you're going to see that for sale everywhere because they get their amber... It's one of the very few places in the world where there's that much amber. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah available. Yeah. So in, in Sopot, once we were finished walking on, on the coast, on the sea there, then there's a famous walking street there called Monte Cassino. And we spent a good chunk of the afternoon walking there. And there's lots of vendors on the street, lots of restaurants. And the experience we had when we were walking up and down Monte Cassino is every restaurant we passed by, there was somebody, some host in front that was saying, come sit at my restaurant, it's the best. And then you'd walk another 20 feet and there'd be another restaurant and that person would say, no, come try my restaurant, it's the best. There was this almost very aggressive attempt to get people to come in to the particular restaurants that were there. We ultimately found ourselves at a restaurant, which did have a sign noting that it was the oldest pub in Sopot. But from a beer perspective, this one, all they had was Pilsner Urkel and one Polish beer. So that didn't really catch my attention from a let's drink some beer perspective. Pilsner Urkel, it's a wonderful beer, but I usually go towards heavier beers and darker beers. So instead of beer, I ended up getting a raspberry tea infusion. That's another thing we bumped into in Poland are these these yeah. tea infusion drinks that I don't see here in the States. And they were just so refreshing because they're made with fresh fruit mm-hmm. and done really well. You had a latte at this mm-hmm. place. I think I just wanted coffee. And then, now I had something totally mixed up in my head. So before we went on this trip, there was something that we saw on TV. And I think it might have been a Rick Steve show. Oh, back, I remember Back the in the day. And there was this home somewhere in this area, in the Tri-City area, that was called the Upside Down House. And it's a house that looks like it's upside down. And when I was reading about Sopot, there was something that came up in my reading about a place called Domek, which was the Crooked House. And so I got the two of them messed up in my head, and we went searching for... Oh, we searched. Chevy Domek. And we searched. And then we searched some more. We must have passed it. 
Yes. At least three or four times. Because I was looking for an upside down house, yes. not a crooked house. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that was my, my mistake. Walking and walking, looking for this upside down house. and But you did say crooked house. Yeah. Yep. So I, I have to tell you, I did get a little frustrated. <laughs> well, you, I think you were getting frustrated. I think my mom was getting frustrated because yeah. I wanted to find the house and yes. we were not having any luck. But in Sopot, they did have this crooked house. It's one of the buildings that is notable in Sopot. It's reminiscent of a structure from Fantasyland and Disneyland, though it's much, much bigger. The large fairy tale inspired structure houses restaurants, shops, and a radio station. And you'll find the crooked house near the corner of Monte Casino and Morska streets with entrances on both of those streets. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, we, we had a wonderful afternoon in Sopot. It's just, again, one of these relaxing seaside towns. So let's move on to one of the very exciting places that we went to. This was the longest train ride. Out of Gdansk, yes. yeah. And I remember that well because your mom was really kind of she on my nerves. Letting us know that it was a long yes, train ride. She, yes, and at one point, you just abandoned me. We were waiting for the train to come in, and you walked away, and I was left there with your mother. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I do, because you were just trying to run away from her. Mm. But she doesn't listen to this, does she? Okay. I don't think she, she doesn't even know we do this show. <laughs> <laughs> but this place was absolutely incredible to see and very ancient, and it's the Malbork Castle. This was about a 90-minute train trip from Gdansk, and we arrived in the city of Malbork, and it was so worth the train ride. It was so incredible. I love ancient things like that anyway. Mm-hmm. But the castle was absolutely huge. It had gone through so many battles, and so many things have happened to it. It had great explanations of its reconstruction, pictures of what it looked like at its worst, the time and the effort that went into rebuilding this was immense. This castle was so huge. There was nowhere you could be while you were in these walkways around the castle waiting you know, to enter in. You couldn't fit the castle in your camera lens. It was so huge. Yeah, I mean, we've been to, by this point in our travels, quite a number of castles, by far the biggest one mm-hmm. we've ever seen. The grounds itself cover 51 acres, and it was built by the Knights of the Teutonic Order. Malbert Castle was the seat of power for the Teutonic Knights for over 150 years. Yeah, so I was just looking this up in the moment because I'm not seeing this in my notes here, but I seem to recall it, and, and the thing I was trying to look up is that Marlborough Castle is the largest castle in the world measured by land area. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see the biggest castle, <laughs> go to Poland, go to Marlborough, because it's absolutely stunning. So the grounds here are actually comprised of three castles that are surrounded by a significant defensive wall or defensive walls, and those are connected by gates and bridges. Now, you can get audio headsets when you arrive here in in multiple languages, so we did get that. And the thing that I liked about the headset experience at the castle is so many museums, for example, that we visit, you get the headset, and then you get to an exhibit and you have to punch in the number and, you know, to cue up the thing you want to listen to. 
at Marlborough Castle, the headset knew exactly where you were at any point in time. So as you walked from one area to another, the narration would automatically start when you were at the right place. So it was like having a tour guide with you and probably one of the best audio and narration tours with a headset that I've ever experienced. Your tour of the castle lets you see how the castle was used in its heyday from the stables to the armory to workshops, banquet rooms, worship rooms, even a brewery. There's so much to see. And we were talking about amber earlier. There's even an amber museum in the castle, which has some wonderful specimens on display. Much of what was once in the castle had been lost through the years, through wars, as I had mentioned earlier. We did see one photo of the damage that was sustained in the castle in 1945. It was pummeled. It was, yep. it was in ruins, it looked like. So today the castle is fully restored, as they have done throughout Poland in so many of these ancient buildings, castles, and complete cities. Centers, yeah, yeah, whole city centers. And, I mean, they've restored everything back to its original pre-war time, which is absolutely amazing. Um, there are many original artifacts in the castle that were found in some of the damaged areas, and they have restored some of those. But, of course, there are some things that were lost forever mm-hmm. and some items that have never been able to be recovered Among the exhibit rooms in the castle, there was one that was kind of vivid for me, and it was a showcase of armor and safety dress that was worn by the knights back in their day. You just think about these guys wearing this, I mean, super heavy armor, and that's how they went into battle, and they have quite a bit of it that's been preserved, that's on display. You also get a sense of the highly religious community that inhabited the castle, through the various worship spaces that remain there. In 1997, the castle was designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So if you like to visit UNESCO places, this is one you can add to your list. And if you like castles, this one is about as wonderful as they come, and you're not going to find anything bigger than Malbork Castle in Poland. When we went here, I did look on TripAdvisor before just to get a sense of how much time we should devote to our visit. And people were reporting spending about two hours on average when they visited Marlborough Castle. We were here for nearly five hours. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, that whole time, just going through nooks and crannies and enjoying everything. And it, it flew by. So there's so much to see, so much to explore. It's an absolutely amazing place. We also stopped in that cafe, which was was amazing, too. And I think it had a world-renowned chef. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure I'm going to get the chef's name wrong. I think his name is Bogdan Gamolka. I'll get it right in the show notes. A very renowned Polish chef. We've actually seen him on some TV Mm -hmm. shows that we've watched recently. And I learned... During the last year, during COVID time, and I'm I'm guessing maybe it was because of COVID that his cafe in Marlborough Castle had been shut down. Mm-hmm. So I think there probably you know wasn't the ability to sustain his business. But when we came back, because we were so impressed with his food at the castle, and I had seen one of his recipe books for sale there. When we got back to the states, I was able to go online and find I think three of them 
on eBay or some such place. So we have those and we've made a number of things out of those over the years and they've all been spectacular. Yeah. So he's, he's a chef that's taken what I would call standard Polish cuisine mm-hmm. and just elevated it to a wonderful experience. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So that rounds out the additional places we saw while we were staying in Gdansk, but that weren't in Gdansk. Absolutely wonderful place to visit. So I think if anybody's thinking about going to Gdansk, I mean, I would recommend probably no less than three days. If you could do like three to five days between the, that city. the city center and, I could and have the been nearby. there a whole week. Yeah. So much to explore. Yeah. In fact, we ran out of time and we do have, like we sometimes do, a list of, if we had more time, some additional things we would like to have seen or things that we will see next time we go back. The first would be the Museum of the Second World War. The Second World War Museum is one of the most recent additions in Gdansk and home to one of the biggest exhibitions on Earth related to this significant event. Visitors can learn about the horrors of the war from the perspective of many nations, as well as the stories of heroes of Westerplatte and the Polish post office in Gdansk, who were among the first to heroically resist the Nazi invaders. Another place that we didn't get a chance to visit was Westerplatte, which is the historic site where World War II broke out on September 1st, 1939. So this site has grounds that includes a small museum and a monument to the Polish defenders. I think as close as we got was visiting that post office we talked about on the last episode in Gdansk. That was also one of the first places where World War II events took place. As we mentioned, amber is a big thing in Poland, and they do have an amber museum in Gdansk. You'll find sellers all over the city selling jewelry and artistic items made from amber. It's the treasure of Gdansk, and the city has the first museum that was devoted exclusively to amber. Exhibits show how amber is found in its natural state, the methods they use to extract, history of amber trade routes, its use in medicine, and as material for artwork. The cornerstone of the exhibition includes historical examples of amber art made in Gdansk during the 17th and 18th centuries. So, Julie, I think we've approached fun fact time. We've got oh, a, we have favorite. a few. Yep. So let's start with Goldwasser, which you had talked about on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Gdansk is the home of the beverage Goldwasser. This iconic beverage of the city has been produced here since the 1500s and has small flakes of 23-karat gold floating in the bottle, and it's believed to bring good luck to those who drink it. So if you'd like some good luck, get yourself to Gdansk and get yourself some Goldwasser. Gdansk also has an historic beer bell that was once used to announce the opening of pubs. I bet it made a beautiful sound. Another fun fact, Gdansk has the longest building in all of Poland called Falowiec from the Polish word for wave, fala, because its shape and placement of balconies resembles that of a wave. This structure has four 10-story compounds containing 1,792 apartments. So that rounds out our overview of Gdansk. I think I mentioned last time, I absolutely fell in love with this city. You wanted to move there. If I had an opportunity to buy 
a second home that could be used as a vacation spot somewhere, the first place I would consider would be Gdansk. I would, that would be a dream come true. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a yeah. beautiful place. There's reasons and circumstances that at least today don't, you know, it doesn't make sense for us. But in the back of my head, it sits there and you never know which way life is going to turn. And if certain <laughs> turns and directions turn out just right, I'll put it under the category of you never know. So if you would like to visit Poland or any destination, we ask you take a visit to our website, theplaceswherewego.com, where you can start travel planning on our travel resources page. Whether you're looking for a flight, hotel, rental car, or savings for unique attractions, you'll find ways to get those at our travel resources portal. And if you book through the links on theplaceswherewego.com, it's a free way to support our show without any additional cost to you. So thank you for joining us at The Places Where We Go. If you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source of podcasts and listen to our future episodes. We would really appreciate it if you would also leave us a review. And if you'd like to read and see some of the details of places that we visited, head over to our blog at theplaceswherewego.com. You can subscribe there or just visit there, bookmark it in your computer, mobile device of choice, where we share additional information about places we visited and places you can visit. You can learn from our tips and learn from our travel misadventures, which occasionally happen from time to time, too. We'll see you next time for more adventures in Poland. Thanks for joining. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.